0: Good morning. morning. My name is Melissa. I'm part of your team here at Tribe Village, and I get to welcome you to our birthday celebration today. So, for those of you who don't know, we are celebrating today five years as a church family, five years of God's faithfulness in our community, which is pretty amazing. So today, as we worship, we are going to spend some time remembering together, um, just reminding each other of the ways that God has been faithful. And this is something we see in scripture over and over and over. God reminds his people of the things that are too important to forget. He uses it to shape them, to remember his goodness, to shape us into the people he wants us to be. He says, remember, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. He says, remember, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so today, we're going to spend some time remembering and hearing different stories from different people who have been part of our community. So just to give you a little picture of five years, a lot of you um, know my youngest, Maya. You see her running through here like she owns the place right now. Um, And when we started, she was a baby. Uh, Some of you remember, like helped me lug her around. Tina. (laughs) Um, She was tiny, and we as a church, as a campus, were also in our infancy and still figuring things out. And we came here as a group of disciples from Streamwood and Wheaton Bible Church who didn't know what was going to happen but recognized that God was moving and doing something, and we wanted to be able to use our gifts and serve and see what would come. And so... God has done more than I think any of us expected and imagined. Um, I could share, I have shared so many stories of impact in the community, um, in my own life, in the lives of my family, um, the ways that we have grown and been loved and been changed by being part of this church family. The, The meals we have shared, the tears we have shed, the brokenness, We have seen healed in the prayers. We have seen answered. Uh, My own kids have learned to pray, to seek Jesus here in this place. And so um, today I just want us to take a minute and look around. Like actually look around. Look around. (laughs) If you are here, it is not by accident. Um, If I have learned anything, it is that God... Loves people so much that he will do anything, he will use anyone, and he will go anywhere to draw people to him. And so we are here for a purpose, for part of that. And so today, as we remember and reflect on God's faithfulness, I just want us to know that um, you are here this day for a reason. And so um, right now we are going to, we have a video that we're going to watch that shares just a a little bit from our church family, and we're going to continue to worship this morning as we reflect and remember.
1: I'm Judy Collins. I live very close. I've been here almost since the beginning. I came because I, for years, have probably gone to every church within a 20-mile radius. It was Christmas Eve, and I remembered I had gotten a postcard and I wanted to go to church. There's so much trust here, and I'm not, I haven't really been used to that. And it's just, um, it's just a wonderful atmosphere, wonderful, I just, I love Sundays, I just wait for the, I don't think I could, you know, live my life without this church and the people here.
2: I am Jeannie, and I have been here probably three years. Per chance, I came in the driveway. I had no plan to do this. I was not looking for a church. And when I heard the message, it really hit me that this is um, waking me up to things that I had never um, felt at long ago church. And so I came back and I came back and I have missed Maybe two Sundays in the past three, maybe four years.
1: I just have never felt like part of a family. And when um, when you guys did that care fest, I was overwhelmed, just overwhelmed by... because I've never been one to ask anybody for help and to have somebody volunteer and to see my yard. I mean,
2: <laughs> People were just all around the yard and cutting down ah. trees, and That's good. You could tell that she was, you know, just amazed with how much people cared. And stayed long hours, and um, it looked great. It looked great. It was fun. It was a wonderful experience. It was really? fun to do. Wonderful. Yeah. To me, this church, I would only say it's energizing. I, I thought that um, I thought I knew some Bible history. But when I came here, I, I couldn't believe how much I learned so quickly and how much there was still to learn. Well, I was brought up as a Quaker, a friend, and we had the uh,
1: Faith and Practice book. So, Eric, doesn't matter what you ask him, <clears throat> how stupid you think it is, he never makes you feel that way, and he explains the Bible so well. And I've just um, acquired a thirst for learning more and more. And the more, you know, I learn, the more I want to learn. You know here that you're accepted no matter what. There's somebody to share with, there's somebody to comfort you or
2: make you laugh. I have learned how much God loves us and how much He Sacrificed for us, all this in this very loving, accepting family—it's—it's it's like you know, there's just no way I wouldn't want to be here.
0: God is so very faithful, um, and I'm going to invite up the Millers, Jeff and Jill Miller, and Brucey e to come up and. Share a little bit with you about the ways that God has been faithful. Um, Jeff and Jill and Bruce and Linda have been part of our church. They were part of the core team that um, came at the very beginning, from the very first day, and so uh, we're gonna just have them share a little bit with you about their experience and what they have what they have seen. So um, maybe start us off, guys. Tell us why why did you come. Why did you decide to be part of this campus? <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> go. Because
3: I, I got the mic. <laughs> um, we have, had longed to find a church that was part of our community, or that we could be part of in our community. And uh, even though Wheaton Bible Church is an awesome church and we loved it, it was 25 minutes away. So we, uh, we live a mile away from here. So uh, that was a big deal for us because it's been twenty, twenty years before we could have such a thing. So the last five years have been awesome in that way.
4: Um, I think for us, it wasn't the question of how or what. Sorry, but the question was why not. Sorry, Um, I remember Pastor Lan when he was. um, They were looking for a building, and he went to visit Strumet High School, and they had a meeting with the janitor, and the janitor basically pleaded for the the church to come. And I think, um, sorry,
0: you're good. You're good. You're gonna get me going though. Uh,
4: So my wife, Linda, works right down the street at Hanover Countryside. And the story she tells about the kids and the families.
3: We needed a church, right? We needed a church and this community, right?
4: But I think um, when you realize the simple things that we take for life, food, shelter, um, just the clothes on our backs, and Linda tells me about kids that are taking food home because they don't have enough food to eat or they don't have clothes to wear. They're coming to school with short sleeve shirts, no jacket, anything. And then you see that. So the question is, why not? I mean, we've been blessed with great neighbors like Joe and Jeff and... Um, we've got a great community around us and you know, we've raised our kids here and even through that we've seen every community we've been part or going to, they've been looked down upon. I mean these kids are already living with a strike against them because our society sees them a little less than them because they don't have the money or they don't have the educational background. It's not that they don't want that. It's a matter of um, you know, their priorities are a little bit different because it's about survival. And I think that's some of the things that we take for granted. And when the church was um, planting here, and, and it was just right in our backyards, it was a calling for us to answer that call. And I think um, with that, we've seen so many different things. Our, our neighbors have been fantastic, and we've had a great community. And I think it's up to us as a church, and we've been given that opportunity to really be able to share the gospel with them.
1: Thank
0: you. Thank um, so Jeff, maybe you can share a little bit. Um, we've seen kind of a lot of ups some downs just over the last five years. How have you seen God been faithful to us here at TV, either to your family or to our church here?
3: Yeah, wow. um, That's life, right, ups and downs, and as we go along, um, like Bruce says, you know, there's seems like there's always those that are struggling with it more than others. And so the church is planted here. God put this church here. You know, we, it, we, we answered His calling and, and showed up. Um, and uh, it, it's gone through some waves, but uh, that's going to happen in any church, in any family, in any, anything we do. And um, so God has been faithful by bringing people to this church. And uh, People just stepped right in to serve, and uh, were faithful in their giving, and, uh, and it's flourished in that regard. Um, you know, the, the world has thrown some things at us, right? Um, Will moved on, uh, Lon moved on, uh, Pastor Boo moved on, um, Eric is here to shepherd us on, right? <laughs> Praise God. And, uh, but the church is here, right? COVID is taking its best shot at it, you know, and the church is still here. Our fellowship is here. We look out and see all these faces. This is awesome. You know, we, we missed it so much. We talk about some hardships, you know, we missed it so much when we had to be online, watch it, you know, cause um, here, hold this. I'm gonna show something. So my, my mom said, used to show us, you know, this is the church, right? anybody else remember this, right? Here's the steeple. Open the doors, and here's all the people, right? So the the church is is uh, thrives be because of the people. We're here to help one another and to uh, serve one another and serve our community, and we've done that so many ways, right? Through the schools, through Care um, CareFest. That's something that I've really uh, jumped into too. That's just uh, it's been a Blessing for a lot of people, uh, not just me, but you know everybody we serve.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you guys so much. I mean, I pray as before we move into our message. Okay. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we praise you. It's we are just in awe of your faithfulness. Just hearing um, little pieces of experiences um, from Judy and Jeannie and, and the Yees and the Millers, and we know that there are a million stories untold about your faithfulness, about your power, about your love, about your presence in our community, and I am just overcome just to think about how, how desperately you love this community, uh, Streamwood. Kendall Park, Bartlett, Elgin, Lord, that you um, you will do anything to bring your people here to you, and we just thank you so much for the opportunity to be part of that as a church. Just ask that you would continue uh, to grow Tribe Village, um, not in numbers, but as a people. Grow us into a people who look like you, and people who are passionate about sharing your gospel, your word, your love for our community and for our world. And um, I just ask that we would continue to be mindful that it is your work that is being done, Lord, and it doesn't matter um, who is here, but we get to be part of that work. And just let us stay mindful and bring glory to you that it is, um, it is you who has done and will continue to do, Lord. And we just thank you for that. We thank you for your faithfulness um, and for the opportunity just to be part of your church. Um, your church here in Streamwood, Wheaton Bible Church, but your bigger church that um, spreads throughout our nation and throughout our world. And we just ask that you would be glorified, that your name would be great. And we thank you, Lord. I just pray for our church as as Eric comes up to speak to us, that um, he would just be full of your presence, of your words, of your message for us, that um, we would know what it looks like to be a people that follow you, Lord. And um, we love you. We want to continue to worship you. We want to continue to... um, make this place about you and about the people that we love and serve. It is in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
5: I was going to say, if you all didn't clap, I was going to give you an opportunity. I was gonna, you were going to be voluntold to clap. Well, thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Yeez and Miller. I know Linda, if she could be here, would be here. Um, but we're grateful for the way the Lord has worked in and through you within this community. Um, we're grateful to call you family. You don't have to, you don't have to stop walking. I'm just going to keep looking at you as you walk away. <laughs> Uh, well, good morning. My name is Eric Solomon, and I'm the campus pastor here at TVC. I get the privilege of serving as not just the campus pastor, but one of the preaching pastors at Wheaton Bible Church. We are a campus of Wheaton Bible alongside of West Chicago and Iglesia de Pueblo campuses. And we're grateful to be gathered here on this uh, uh, birthday of our campus to celebrate, not necessarily the campus and TVC and all that, but to celebrate God's faithfulness to us as a community. Amen. And I'm grateful for the chance to dive into God's word as we celebrate God's past faithfulness, as we enjoy his present faithfulness and anticipate his future faithfulness. Because what, what we've done here at this community is center and, and ground our community, our family, in the word of God. Today marks five years of seeing God's faithfulness through those ups and downs that we were just talking about through will this even work, what do we do now, and, and God, what are you doing, and, and, and where are you going, because we want to follow you step by step as you continue to step into this community and love this community, and I could stand up here and recount all the different stories that I've heard since I've come here, the different stories of people that were here from September 2016, the story of those who journeyed together in the months prior to launching in anticipation of and prayerful expectation of God's continued work here, The stories would be filled with laughter and joy and tears and uncertainties and trust and conviction and all sorts of ups and downs. Like Jeff said, that's what life is. But those stories, even as they testify to God's faithfulness, they're only a fraction of what makes me and what should make you confident in God's faithfulness to His people, to us as a church body. You see, what forms the foundation of my confidence in God's faithfulness, the bedrock of our faith, is not just our experience of God, not just our stories or our memories, even though those are very important and God uses them, those memories, they they become like, like bright shining billboards that point to his faithfulness, but our confidence in God's faithfulness is ultimately built upon our solid rock, our cornerstone, none other than Jesus Christ himself. His incarnation, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and, and his reigning and his promise that he will come back and make everything right again. That is what our faithfulness is grounded upon. Jesus alone. Because as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1.20, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Every promise of God finds its yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Christ our Lord. And so the reason we can say five years faithful, the reason I can anticipate, talk about 500 years, centuries of faithfulness to God's church all over the world, the reason why I can say God is eternally faithful is because Jesus Christ, in Jesus, God has revealed himself as one who keeps his promises across centuries, across millennia. God keeps his promises. Now, for the last six weeks, We've been studying the parables of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, these 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 stories that have been told by a king to to describe his kingdom and his kingdom people and to to call us to being in a particular way. The, these defining characteristics that have been what what I as your pastor, what your pastoral team, has been praying for you as God's people, praying for us as God's people. But this morning I want us to go to the end of Luke's gospel. The final scene of this gospel account where a a walking, talking testimony to God's faithfulness prepares his kingdom people to live in the in-between time between his first coming and his second coming, where Jesus explains how he plans to enable and empower his kingdom citizens to remember his past faithfulness, enjoy his present faithfulness, and anticipate his future faithfulness. And I want us to step into this final episode of the Gospel of Luke, even if you've heard it before, and experience again on this Sunday of celebration that bedrock of our confidence in his faithfulness, in this excited anticipation of continued faithfulness to his people. You see, TVC, as we anticipate God's faithfulness to us as a familia here in Streamwood in the Tri-Village area for 5, 10, 50, 100 more years, whatever the Lord God in his wisdom wants to give us, What should fill us with excitement and energy and ready to get after what God has for us is not just beautiful stories like what God has done in Judy and Jeannie and and, and Bruce and Linda and Jeff and Jill and, and all the stories that are here, but what actually stands behind those stories, the reality of Christ's resurrection and the promise of his spirit to empower us to be his kingdom witnesses right here and right now. These stories are amazing, not just because we love these people, but because we see in them what God has done. Amen? Amen. We see the resurrected God who saved them, saved us, and can save all who call on him in faith, our neighbors, our co-workers, people we see in the grocery store. So without talking a bunch more. Let's dive into our text this morning and see God's faithfulness to us in Christ, what kind of people that should make us, what kind of people that made us in 2016, that is making us right here in 2021, and, and what must be making us for years to come. So Luke 24:36 through 53, you can open your Bibles there. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, please grab one from one of the cart, the cart in the back, and if you don't own a Bible, take it. That's, that's our gift to you, and if you're joining us online, I want to say, first of all, welcome. I'm sorry, we haven't even welcomed you yet. We know you're there, but we're really glad you're with us, and, and even though we, we wish we could be together in the same place, we at least are glad that we get to worship right now together, and I would encourage you to open your Bibles, and if you're ready, would you stand with us as we read God's Word? Let's participate together in reading God's Word from Luke 24:36 through 53, People of God, this morning we come to the Bible hungry for the very words of God, and I pray that these God-breathed scriptures would satisfy you today. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost, and he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? and he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. This is God's word. You may be seated. Faithful God, this morning we entrust ourselves to you. You have spoken time and time again that you are trustworthy. And this morning as we position ourselves under your word, we pray that you would open our eyes to your faithfulness to us in Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts in this moment be life-changing acts of worship before you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, this final passage in Luke follows the church that Jesus started three years ago among these disciples from from feelings of disappointment and perceived failure to confusion and misunderstanding to excitement and worship as, as Jesus comforts and commissions them as witnesses. And just like it was for them then, this passage is for us today a description of the people God is making us to be. His kingdom people in in what I've called these local outposts of new creation life, these local churches that display the love, the holiness, the the grace of God in Christ to others through the gospel. And in this text, there are four defining features of these early disciples that, that, that actually mark the church throughout history and across zip codes and even in villages like Streamwood. These, these four defining characteristics should mark us as God's people in this particular community, and they should mark us as people of the resurrection, people of the Bible, people of the gospel, and people of the spirit. And I'm going to use these four defining characteristics to track through this passage together, together to see the truth that I think is embedded here, the truth that God is a God who keeps his promises. We celebrate God's faithfulness this morning a faithfulness that is founded upon the person and work of Jesus. We hold on to and remember and understand deeply that God keeps his promises to us and that this is what gives us hope and confidence in what God is going to do in and through us as a family here in Streamwood. And the reason we can know that he is a God who keeps his promises, I'll start here, is first and foremost because we are people of the resurrection. People who believe in and hold on to the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 16 through 17, if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Christian, if you don't know this, I'm telling you now, without the resurrection, we have no hope. The resurrection is the center of our faith. We are people of the resurrection because the resurrection is the hope of our salvation. Look at the text, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, I'll set the scene here and what happens here in this first verse. Jesus' disciples, the the 12 minus the traitor Judas, uh, along with the whole crowd of other disciples that were following Jesus through his life, uh, are together and they're worried. They're afraid. They're nervous about what comes next. You see, Jesus has been crucified and has been buried and now rumors are starting to swirl. Some of the women that were faithful to Jesus, these disciples, they they had snuck into his tomb to take care of the body, to honor him, but they didn't find his body. Instead, they found angels who reminded them of what Jesus had promised, that he would come back to life. They run, and they go tell the disciples who actually don't believe them. Eventually, one of those disciples, Peter, decides, okay, I want to go see for myself. So he sneaks into the tomb, and he sees what these women saw, these empty grave clothes, Empty of Jesus' body. And he walks away, the text says, wondering, what, what is going on? In this confusion, Jesus is still nowhere to be seen. Until Jesus interrupts two of his followers traveling between towns. It's the text right before ours. He actually keeps them from recognizing him as they tell him the story of their fallen savior. And then Jesus, still anonymous, takes them through the entire storyline of the Bible. What I wouldn't give to just be on that road with them, to hear Jesus uh, unpack the entire storyline of the Bible leading up to him. They still don't really understand what's happening, how this Savior that they were grieving was actually supposed to die, how this is all part of the plan. And they, they get to where they're going, and this mysterious guest, this mysterious man, they invite him to dinner, And at dinner, as this mysterious man breaks bread, Jesus decides to open their eyes. And they recognize him as Jesus. And then the text says, immediately he disappears. And they run out of the door to go tell the disciples. And this is where we find ourselves. A group of people hearing this this new rumor amongst these other rumors. And they're still worried. They're afraid. They're nervous. they're, they're, They're wondering, what is going on with all these Jesus sightings? Something is happening These scared Jesus followers are whispering about rumors when the rumored one appears. Jesus himself, the resurrected Savior in the flesh, the one that they had grown to love over years of conversations and travels and and danger and mercies, this one is standing before them right now. And they're freaking out. Jesus reads the room and he meets their fear with his Peace, peace be with you, Jesus says. He begins to fulfill the promise that he gave them, that he would bring them peace, to reassure them in their confusion and their fear about the future, to make people of Jesus the rabbi and to people of Jesus the resurrected. But, but they're still struggling to hear his peace. They don't feel calm in the chaos. Verse 37, they were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. They don't recognize him. The rumors couldn't be true, could they? There's no way this is what's happening and their disbelief, Jesus meets them, but not with condemnation. He meets them with assurance and confirmation. Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. That language there is more like handle me. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. Look at me, touch me, handle me, experience me again, and understand what it means that you're experiencing me after my death. Understand what this means for everything we've been talking about. These disciples, slow to understand, have to be persuaded, and Jesus is more than willing to do that persuading to meet their doubt with himself. It is I myself touch and see And when he had said this, he showed them his hands, his feet, and while they still did not believe, this time because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? It's kind of a weird twist in the story, Jesus. I thought we were building to something. So they give him food, and he takes it and eats in their presence. I mean, they're struggling to comprehend what their eyes and even their their hands are seeing, but even as they do, their fear is slowly being reshaped into joy and amazement. The questions, why are you troubled, and why do you have doubts, become, do you have something to eat? And this final piece of evidence converts a meal into a message of God's faithfulness. Their beloved Jesus really is here with them. He has come back to life, not as some spirit ghost, but embodied. With his physical, recognizable, do you have something to eat kind of body and they're overwhelmed by the reality of this resurrection. They don't really understand what it all means, but they see God's faithfulness and right now that's okay because he's back. Amen. He's here with me. They're people of the resurrection. People who believe in Jesus not just as Messiah, but as the resurrected Messiah, who did what he said he would do and came back to life. He made good on his promise. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is a declaration of victory over death, but it is also the ultimate demonstration of God's faithfulness to all who believe in him. In this this special, overwhelming, and history-shattering moment, Jesus' resurrection proves God's faithfulness, as if we needed any more proof. Are you worried whether or not God will provide for you this year? You only need to look back on his resurrection to know the lengths he will go to to provide for you. Are, are you nervous about what's coming, uncertain and unsure about the future and what's happening all around us? You only need to remember that his resurrection promises a future resurrection for all of us, but impacts our life here and now. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15, 20-23, he says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, but he doesn't stop there. He says, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Do you know what that means, TBC? That means God is not done with us. That means that Jesus started something and he's going to finish what he started. All the way through to the end. Do you think he's just paused now until the end of time? He is at work even now. This morning, all who believe belong to him as people of the resurrection. And we can know with 100% confidence that God keeps his promises. As people of the resurrection, we know that he has kept his promise not only to send a savior, but to send a savior that defeats death and promises life. And we know that someday he will resurrect us to new life with bodies that will no longer be worn down or diseased by sin. But this promise is not just hope for the future. It's hope for right now. If he is faithful to resurrect his son to save us, then he will be faithful right now here in Streamwood to continue to to help us step into what he has for us. He will continue to be faithful to this familia in Christ right here in Streamwood as people of the resurrection because God is not done with us yet. But TVC, in order to truly be people of the resurrection who trust that he is a God who keeps his promises, we need to get to that second point. And these all build upon each other because we need to be people of the Bible. We need to know what he actually promised if we're actually going to see that the God who keeps his promise is actually a good thing. And God doesn't promise prosperity and wealth and everything going right for us. He promises to be faithful. And he demonstrates that faithfulness over and over again in the Bible. You see, we have a Bible that points to the resurrected one, that points to Jesus. That's why I said what I would give to be on that road with those two followers as Jesus explained everything that was going on. Thankfully, we have the New Testament where he explains everything that is going on. There's an organization called the Bible Project that walks through Scripture and teaches people about the Bible. But their their tagline is this, that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. It all holds together in and points to Jesus Christ. And the reason we can say that is because of this next part of our text this morning that calls us to be people of the Bible. Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then the text says Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them this is what is written. Jesus points his disciples back in order to point them forward. Do you see that, TBC? Remember what I taught you? Remember what I said when we were together? Walking from town to town, sitting on a boat on the mountainside and in the garden. Remember that all of Scripture points to me. Remember that God had a plan, and I told you what that plan was, and he is now carrying out his plan, which is why I'm standing right in front of you. Back from the dead. Remember the hope that God promised in Genesis. Remember the freedom that he foreshadowed in Exodus. Remember the new law that is anticipated in Deuteronomy. Look back and see the true judge and the true king in every judge and king that either fumbles their way towards God or defies, defies him every step of the way. See the promised Savior in the life of King David. See the true preacher in the life of the prophet Jonah. Watch as the visions of Isaiah and all of these prophets have come to pass in Jesus Christ our Lord. Remember and relive the promises of the Old Testament in this resurrected Savior because they all point to Jesus. This resurrected Savior stands before His kingdom people to tell them to be people of the Bible, people who see God's plan coming to pass in His resurrection and know how to hold on to God's promises even when it takes time to see them come to pass. Think about this. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was thousands of years in the making. Thousands, not hundreds, not 50 or 10, which would be a long time. Thousands of years waiting for God to send the Savior. But God is not slow to fulfill his promises. He is right on time every time. And we need to be people who trust God in the waiting and the worry and the uncertainty. People who trust the God of the Bible even when they can't see what he is doing here and now. Who trust his heart when they cannot, as one preacher Charles Spurgeon says, when they cannot trace his hand. Because they see in the pages of the Bible who he is, what he does. Trust him to be faithful to his character and faithful to his people. God's people trust him to be in control, to know where things are going, because he has demonstrated his trustworthiness to us in Jesus Christ. This is why we can say God is faithful, because he keeps his promises across millennia. And TVC, if we're going to continue to depend on God in this season, to trust His faithfulness to us, the encouragement and the strength to do that in the good and the bad seasons, even with all of our memories, is found in God's faithfulness to His people across all of history as recorded in His Word. And so by the Spirit of God, then, we have to continue to press into that Word, have our minds and our hearts opened by the Spirit to His promises and their fulfillment in Christ. To remember and experience and anticipate that he is the God who keeps his promises. The God who is faithful to his character, to his people. The God who demonstrated his faithfulness, not just by rising from the dead, but by coming in the first place. By fulfilling every single one of his promises to us. As those who trust in Christ, we need to trust that God will fulfill his promises to us. And he doesn't promise that we won't suffer He doesn't promise that we'll not ever struggle as a community. He doesn't promise that everything's going to be good between us and that there won't be conflict even here in this family. I know, hard to believe. Why could you ever fight with Eric? I get it. But God does not promise that everything is going to be copacetic. He promises to be with us in all of it and to use all of it for our good and for his glory. Why can I say that? Not just because we're people of the resurrection and and Jesus turned the evil of death for the good of life for all who believe. And not even just because we are people of the Bible. And the Bible testifies over and over again that God works all things for the good of those who love him. But because we are also people of the gospel. And in the gospel, God demonstrates that he is not distant, uninvolved, or disconnected from our pain. That he is actually near involved and familiar with the pain and suffering of sin. We are people of this good news, a gospel that was designed by God from the very beginning all the way through to the end to bring our Savior through suffering and resurrection and proclaim forgiveness for all who believe in him. And he starts in our text at verse 46, I apologize, 44, by explaining that what was written, the message of the gospel, the good news of God and his kingdom, begins with suffering by God's design. Look at verse 44. Right? These are the words, I spoke to you. Everything that's written about me and all of these things, it has to come to pass. He opens their minds to understand the scriptures, and he says this, this is what is written, that the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound super great to me. As this kingdom people, we're not just people of the Bible, we're people of good news, but good news starts with suffering. God, I think you've got some of this stuff mixed up. You see, the good news of Jesus Christ started much earlier than Jesus' birth, thousands and thousands of years before God took on flesh when he told his people that the promised Savior would suffer, that the design of his plan was suffering, resurrection, and the preaching of this good news. And this is a hard message because it's, it's hard to describe suffering as good. Pain is something we tend to avoid rather than embrace. And yet God takes what we would run from and instead chooses to run towards it because he knows that a life marked by pain after sin will only be repaired by and redeemed with sin that breaks the back or pain that breaks the back of sin. I'll say that again because I messed that up. God takes what we should run what we would run from and instead chooses to run towards it because he knows that a life marked by pain after sin will only be repaired by and redeemed with pain that breaks the back of sin. Suffering is the way God and Jesus dealt with the problem of sin and established his people, his church. Any message that you hear in this life that deals with humanity and the world and does not account for pain and struggle and brokenness and evil is deceived or trying to deceive you. Any message that tries to deal with evil by avoiding pain doesn't truly understand evil. Christianity doesn't avoid pain and suffering. It sees the world as it is, acknowledges its brokenness, and at the same time preaches a savior that enters into that brokenness, that enters into that violence, that suffered the violence himself but was not defeated by that violence. And people people of the gospel understand this deeply. As more than just this theological starting point of salvation, but as the very thing that carries us all the way through to the end. This is why Christians and God's people are not crushed under suffering. Not because we stick our heads in the sand and avoid it, Not because we close our eyes and pretend it doesn't exist, but because in suffering we have one who knows our pain personally and walks with us through it. But the gospel is not just that Jesus understands pain. It's that he actually suffered death, the payment for our sin, and overcame death in his resurrection. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. People of the gospel see that both the suffering and the resurrection of Jesus was by God's design. It's why Jesus can say, remember what I taught you. Remember my mission, suffer, die, and come back to life. This mission is embedded all over the Old Testament, but I'll just read one passage for us this morning. Isaiah 53, we read this. We read the suffering of the Savior predicted, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, and here's the part that paves the way for resurrection, his life is given as an offering for sin, means death, and yet he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. The good news of Jesus is not just that he suffered for us, but that he came back to life for us, that he suffered and saw the light of life and therefore justifies us, takes our sins upon himself, pays for them, and makes a way back to God. That was the plan that God made long ago, and is coming true right before the eyes of these disciples in the resurrection of Jesus. And as Jesus speaks to them, he speaks to them in hope, the hope of the gospel as God designed it. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. What was promised was not just the suffering and the resurrection of the Savior, but the preaching of that Savior's message a message of repentance that leads to forgiveness, a message preached to all of humanity, to all nations, a message that is preached in the name of Jesus with his authority offering the access back to God that he in his life, death, burial, resurrection accomplished. Starting in Jerusalem, reaching to the ends of the earth. This is a message that actually it shows up all over the Old Testament. And, and because I imagine you want to get to lunch after this, I'm not going to read the entire Old Testament to you this morning, but I am going to read from Psalm 22. It's a psalm Jesus quotes from the cross at the very beginning, but at the end of that psalm, 22, it promises that all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. Do you know what that language is? That's the language of repentance. That all the families of the nations will bow down before him. Uh, But it's a promise that's actually made centuries even before this psalm. And I'll take you all the way to Genesis 12 when God promises Abraham, a man that's chosen out of all humanity by God's grace, not because Abraham is amazing, to continue his plan of salvation for his people. He chooses Abraham and promises this. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Not because Abraham was so good, but because God is so good. And through this one man, God was going to save the world. Because thousands of years later, a baby would be born. in Abraham's line god in the flesh a man that was born to die so that we might live this is the good news of the kingdom the gospel that makes us into God's people, that though we rebelled against the God who created us to be in relationship with Him and lost the access and blessing of that relationship because of our sin and our rebellion and deserved judgment, God was on a mission to save us from our rebellion, to save us from our sins, to bring us back into relationship with Him. We just sang it His goodness is coming after us. That's not prosperity, wealth. Your life is going to be great. It's the goodness of the gospel in Christ. God is coming after us. He's on a mission. And though our sins, which affected not just us, but all of creation, marked us guilty before this holy God, guilty of all kinds of violence, physical, relational, spiritual, verbal, emotional, against God and his creation, he was still in pursuit of us. He promised hope and fulfills that hope by becoming human. I mean, God became human and lived a perfect life in obedience and then died an undeserved death, a punishment for sin against the holy God that he did not commit, that we committed. And the Bible says that he became sin for us. And three days later, he stands before these disciples raised from the dead, explaining God's plan, but then involving his people in that plan. Did you catch that? In the text, it says that the Messiah would suffer, done, that's happened. That the Messiah would rise from the dead, check, also done and happened. But that there's a message that needs proclaiming. God's plan from the very beginning included us as part of his plan. To proclaim that message of repentance. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins preached in his name to all nations. A message that says if only we would believe his death would count for payment for our sin. That Jesus accomplished our forgiveness and restored our relationship with God. And we could have the life that God promises. This is the gospel. We are people of the gospel. Not just because it saves us but because it involves us in God's plan to actually bring life to all people. This is the promise he made from the beginning. And God keeps His promises. We are people of the resurrection. We are people of the Bible and we are people of the gospel because in all of these, God has proven that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he would do. He keeps his promises and he is generous with his promises, not just for people of one nation, but for all nations, for all who believe. But in order to actually be people of the gospel, we need one more thing. And I gave you these points at the beginning, so I'm not hiding anything from you. But Jesus does not stop here talking about the preaching of repentance. He actually continues because we also need to be people of the Spirit. We celebrate God's faithfulness to us in this season, not just because of what He has done, but because of what He promises that He will continue to do among His people by His Spirit. Look at verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. With all of this in mind, all that has been written, all that they have witnessed, Jesus commissions his people to witness to the gospel. To preach the message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But he wants to be clear, you're not doing it alone. I don't want you to do it alone. I want you to wait. I want you to witness with power. Power that is promised by God. Power that has been promised not just when Jesus was on this earth, saying, I, "My Father, who gives good gifts, will give the good gift of His Holy Spirit." This is our text last week, but a promise that was made long ago. Isaiah 44:8 says, "Do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? Nope. There's no other rock. I know not one. God is being very confident right here because He could be. God didn't just promise a Savior." He promised a witnessing people. Witnesses who testify about the God who has a plan, is working his plan, and that plan will be accomplished. Witnesses of God's plan of salvation that testify to God's work throughout history, not just to good morals, not just to some interesting philosophy, but an active God who came to earth to die for sinners and comes back to life for sinners, to make them children and save them. Witnesses with power. Galatians 3.14, Paul explains a little bit more about what Jesus is talking about when he says that Jesus redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham, remember Genesis 12, might come to the Gentiles, non-Jews, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Jesus saved us, Jew and Gentile, non-Jews, so that all who believe might actually receive the blessing of God's promise, the promise of His Spirit, a promise that God would not just be with special people like prophets or priests or kings, but with every one of His people. All His people witnessing to the gospel like prophets calling people back to God. All of His people functioning as mediators, as bridges back to God, in between God and others to help people know God like priests. All of his people, all the way back in Genesis 1, ruling and subduing creation as kings and queens, not lording power over others, but as servants, helping the world do what God created it to do, to glorify and to worship him. And all of that is done by people of the Spirit. People with the power of God to testify to God's work in Christ, to God's presence among us by the way we love and serve one another, to witness to God's unwavering commitment to us and faithfulness to us, not because of us, but because of him. It is the Spirit who enables disciples of Jesus to witness boldly and confidently to the gospel with our words and with our lives, no matter what is going on around us. I'll put a fine point on this to say without the Spirit, we cannot do anything. You see, we are dependent upon the Spirit of God to make this church family work. I've said it before, I'll confess it again, just so that you know, I am not clever enough, I'm not strategic enough, we are not smart enough here to make a bunch of ministry programs work, to just make it all work together. DVC is here five years later because God, by His Spirit, has promised to indwell His people, and He is fulfilling His promise to do that. Amen. It's not because I'm so great or because you're so great, but because He's so great. And so we are people of the Spirit who, who witness with power but we are also people of the spirit who worship the king look at verse 48 jumping all the way to 50 we got this witnessing with power promise that's going on but then we get this kind of narrative scene and he jesus leads them out to the vicinity of bethany and he he lifts up his hands and he blesses them and while he's blessing them he leaves he's taken up into heaven The resurrected one is blessing his disciples after he's commissioned them to witness to the gospel, but as he blesses them, he's taken up into heaven in what theologians call the ascension, which is a reality that reminds us, as we wait for Jesus to return, that we worship the true and rightful king who is in heaven right now. The fact that Jesus ascended into heaven confirms everything he said and everything he did. It proves that he is the true king who reigns through these disciples, through his church, who are worshiping him. These disciples who worshiped and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, they stayed continually at the temple praising God. They understand Jesus deeper than they ever had before because of what they had witnessed. They obey him. They head back to Jerusalem, worshiping and waiting, waiting for the promise of the Spirit. You see, the resurrection has done something to them. It's changed their lives. It's filled them with joy. It's relieved their fear. It's established their confidence in the resurrected and ascended one who reigns And will fulfill his promise to his people, people who are the spirit who witness with power and worship the king. But unlike the disciples in the scene, TVC, we don't have to wait for that promise. We already have it. Each and every one of us who believe in Jesus has the Holy Spirit. There's no uh, um, uh, second time in your Christian life that you get the Holy Spirit when you achieve some kind of spiritual hierarchy. The moment you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior is the moment that God indwells you by His Spirit and empowers you to be His disciple. We don't have to wait like they had to wait. The Spirit indwells us, empowering witness and enabling worship, reminding us and each other of the gospel that saved us, proclaiming that gospel to others, a gospel of a suffering Savior who rose from the dead and offers forgiveness of sins to all who repent, a gospel that was promised in the Bible with promise after promise over years that have its yes and amen in Jesus Christ, a Bible that centers the person and work of Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, the one who made us family here at TVC. TVC. there are a lot of stories that are represented here. I'll also say if you're new here, and I keep calling you TVC, I'm sorry. I'm glad you're here, and I want you to hear what the Lord is doing in our family. I want you to hear what the Lord is doing here, because it's not because of us, it's because of Him. There are a lot of stories here, ups and downs, how we came to be family in Christ here, stories that express the joy and and the excitement of a new campus, the thrill as God grew us together, and the the pain and frustration of losing family in Christ to controversy and contention. And all of those stories made us who we are today. There's one story I'd like to share, a story that I was hoping that we could get on video, but God and His providence and technology and everything that is awful about it, did not let that happen. But the story I'll share is the story of our brother Garland. For those of you who have been here for a while, you know Garland. You know that he's been a faithful brother who's called his church home for years. You might also know that he's in a nursing facility right now because of a stroke a few months ago. We worked hard to try to get him on video as an encouragement to our family, but as I said, things didn't work out. But I want to share some of what he said as an encouragement to this church family as I come to an end. Because his story is part of the reason we do this. You see, Garland is a brother that was not just encouraged by us and cared for by us, but cared for us and encouraged us. So family is, right? it Goes both ways. The first thing that Garland wanted everyone to know is through all the suffering that he's been through, he's been praising God, which is typical Garland. He said he's doing well. He hopes to be able to return and amen with us again soon. He thanked us for praying and loving and supporting him. But one of the stories I was going to share, and he didn't say this in the video, but I I was thinking of this as I was writing out some of his words that he he gave in that video. I got a chance to experience the way that Garland encouraged his brothers and sisters And other people in the gospel this November, this past November, just a few months after I started at TVC, I got a message from the rest of our team saying they had 19 turkeys and they were wondering if anybody wanted them. So we called Garland and said, hey, do you want a turkey for Thanksgiving? And Garland said, I'll call you back. In a few hours, Garland had lined up 19 different families to have turkeys that Thanksgiving and then asked us for more. He was the embodiment, is the embodiment of, of caring for others. In that moment and in all the conversations I've had with caring for others with the love of Jesus and preaching the gospel. I mean, even at this nursing facility, Garland is, is adamant about preaching the gospel to his neighbors and the nursing staff. I told Melissa on one call that this is why God has him here. In our conversations, he's thanked God for TBC. He's prayed that God would, would continue to bless the Tri-Village area and our church family And when we asked him what he would encourage us with, he said this. Continue to look towards God as the answer in every trial. You have nothing to fear. Trust that God will be faithful and with you to the very end. And then like he did every time Dean or Melissa or I talked to him on the phone or showed up in in his room, he shared Psalm 91. And I'll just read a few verses from that. I encourage you to read the whole chapter later today. But Psalm 91 starts like this. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Garland ended saying this, even when trials are going on, we have nothing to fear. I love you all. Thank you again. I appreciate the love and I can't wait to see you all. And I share that to say this is a story of just one person who found God to be faithful to him who demonstrates God's love and has been encouraged by and is an encouragement to this familia in Christ here. The stories of Jeannie and Judy and Bruce and Linda and Jeff and Jill and Garland, they're just some of the stories that God has given us the privilege of witnessing and being a part of, that God has cultivated here in this community. And so as we celebrate God's faithfulness for the last five years, we do so with stories like this, with families like this, with joy and with laughter. We celebrate all of this Through the lens of the resurrection that paints each memory with God's faithfulness to us. Knowing that every step of the way he was with us, keeping us, preparing us for his glory and our good. Preparing us as people of the resurrection, people of the Bible, people of the gospel, people of the spirit. To step into whatever this next season looks like with confidence in his faithfulness. We don't know all of his plans and to be honest, we don't need to know all of his plans because we know the one who makes those plans. We trust him to finish what he started. The Gospel of Luke ends at verse 53, or verse 53 in this chapter almost like there should be more to the story. And he continues his account of God's faithfulness, Luke does, in, in the book of Acts, but he ends Acts the same way, like this, this cliffhanger, which is like, man. But it's almost like there's more to the story Because there is. The story of God and his people is not over. Like these books and like us at this anniversary, the story of God's people is to be continued. Here we want to be kingdom people who preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We believe the testimony of scripture that Jesus died for our sins and came back to life three days later. The gospel truth fills us with joy, with gratitude and worship for the resurrected king who saved us. The question for us is what will we do with all of that? The story is to be continued. Our story here in this community is not over. The resurrection calls us to participate in that story as spirit-dependent kingdom people who know the Savior and want the world to know Him too. God is at work here. And we want to keep in step with Him for the next 5, 10, 50, 100 years as an outpost of new creation life here in Streamwood. This is why we're doing things like, like praying together monthly because we know that it's not us doing a bunch of cool stuff that get people to Jesus. That's why we gather in men's and women's groups and study the Bible because we don't need to just figure things out on our own. We go to the one who's already told us how to live life. While we build community through different groups, while we serve our neighbors through outreach partnerships, God has been 5 years faithful and we trust him to continue to be faithful and we depend on him to do that, just like he said he would. I don't know what the future holds. But like the old cliche that is very true, I know the one who holds the future. And this morning, as we celebrate and remember, we trust in him. Would you pray with me that we might see and believe and participate in that story as familia? Faithful God, this morning we praise you for your great faithfulness to us in Christ. To us as a church body here in Streamwood. God, to be frank with you, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. We acknowledge that. We remember that. Don't let us forget that. And We pray that you would continue to lead us. Help us to humbly follow you wherever you lead, trusting in the guidance of your spirit and in your kingdom work among us. Like we're about to sing, Lord, Siempre has sido fiel. You have always been faithful. And so this morning... In this next season, we entrust ourselves to you, to your faithfulness. And we pray all this in the name of the one who has shown your faithfulness in his resurrection. In the name of Jesus. Amen.